0: I want to just start by giving a disclaimer, and that is that this, I'm not here to give you medical advice. I'm not here to give you legal advice. Uh, Anything that I tell you is something that helped me. And I also want to acknowledge that there's so many different areas of caregiving. When Mrs. Wilkerson first approached me, I, I cared for my mom in my home. And so I felt like the focus was basically caring for parents. Uh, but I am acknowledging that there are other caregiving situations as well. It could be a spouse, it could be a child, uh so and so many areas that I have no experience in whatsoever. So I'm gonna give you some scripture and God can help you if you're in an area where I'm totally out of my league. But I just wanted to say that first of all, that some of the things I'll mention may involve medical or legal, but I'm not telling you I'm an expert at all. I might more than anything, I'm recommending that you go find someone who helps you in those areas. So I wanted to start that way. And then I want to start with a word of prayer and then we'll just kind of jump right in. Lord Jesus, thank you for each one of these precious ladies, Lord, you know, what's in their life now or what may be coming around the corner, but Lord, I pray that you'll give me something that will help them. Uh, Lord, help me to say what I ought to say and not to say the things I shouldn't say. Thank you for being so very, very good to us in this season and every season. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to say also that I'm I'm not an expert. I wish I could tell you I was and I could answer all of your questions, but I, I may not be an expert, but I was a daughter who loved her mother. And in most cases, caregiving is just that. It's someone that you love, that you want to care for. So I'd also, I am not a natural nurturer. Some of you probably are. Um, a dear friend who, she was like a baby magnet. She always had to have the babies in her arms. And she, she cared for everybody from the time she was this big. But I, I wanted to be a teacher. And I am a teacher. Uh, but I never wanted to go into anything in the medical field. No, 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 no. Uh, it didn't sound like fun to me. In fact, it sounded terrifying. And I grew up in a family where most of the time everyone was healthy. And so I wasn't around sickness very much. So this was way out of my comfort zone when God took me into this season. I was very nervous. I felt very unqualified. And yet this is what God had for me. And I have learned so much. Um, I also had, like I said, a mother who greatly deserved to be cared for in the best way possible. Uh, she was an amazing, amazing Christian lady. She was a bus captain for many, many years, taught in the Christian school, taught Sunday school. Uh, the pastor at her church was one of her students. And the pastor's wife was one of her students. And I watched her growing up. I remember there was a, a, a little dirt road that went way up the hill. And there was an elderly couple at the top of that hill. And they didn't have electricity. And my mom said, you need to have electricity. Because the man was getting older and, and they were talking about hospital beds and you can't use one of those hospital beds that are electric if you don't know, have electricity and they could not electricity. So she did everything she could and helped them get electricity. Another time there was a precious older lady who lives in the shack of a house, had an outhouse in the back. And as I you know, as a kid I was like, Whoa it's sixty but I remember my mom helped her get into an apartment. It's a brand new apartment. And I was there. We helped her move. And so I was there to watch her walk in and just look at this beautiful apartment with, you know, her own bathroom and, and running water and everything she needed right there. And I watched my mom do that for others. I knew she, and, and not besides Carrie for her own family. So I knew she deserved the best of care. Uh, I also am grateful to God that he prepared me before I got there in in different ways. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I'm like, helped me before I ever needed his help. Uh, I remember as a new college student at House Anderson College Mrs. Beverly Hiles was caring for her mom in her home and I remember she came out and spoke to the college girls and she told us, she said, I want to describe for you a patient. And she talked about this patient, how the patient needed care and had to be helped with dressing and eating and uh, the patient sometimes would drool and Anyway, she described this patient, we're all seeing, they're feeling very uncomfortable as college students, and then she said, now I want to tell you this, I'm going to ask you this, what would you think if I told you that the patient was a baby? And all of a sudden, it was like this paradigm shift, you know, you realize that the way we look at it with a baby is very different. We were all picturing her mother as she was talking about a baby, and and looking back, I remember the Lord was carrying me that my mom cared for me when I was all of those things. And so why in the world wouldn't I consider caring for her when she needed me? I remember that Brother Hiles, his mother, uh, some of the nurses and the ladies at the college helped with the care of his mother. He was very good to his mother, but I remember him writing a poem. And I tried to find a copy of it, I can't find it anywhere. But I remember one line as a poem where he said, I saw angels ministering spirits when he was talking about those caregivers and helped help take care of his mom. And that helped my mindset to realize the work he does as a caregiver is like being an angel, being a ministering spirit. That really helped me. Uh, I also was reminded of the verse in Matthew 23 11 that says, But he that is greatest among you shall so be your servant. So it is a call to do the greatest thing, to be a servant. Uh, There's nothing greater than that. Jesus said that. So I had a friend who shortly before my mom came to live with me, she was going through this with her parents, and her situation was different. She was doing a lot of traveling back and forth to care for her dad and so forth. And when he went to heaven, we had lunch together. And I remember she said, you know, I wouldn't trade this time of my life and I wouldn't go back to the person that I was before I helped my parents during this time. I wouldn't want to be that person anymore. And, and I thought, wow, I, I'm not sure I totally understand that. But oh, wow, the Lord was preparing me. Um, one of the things I did for this little talk is I talked to a lot of different caregivers that I know and admire greatly. Uh, and I asked them for their input. And I'm so thankful. Every single one of them gave me something. Everyone. You know, when you ask someone to write something, that's really, you don't get a lot of input often. But every single one of them gave me something. So some of what I'm going to give you are things that I learned personally, but some are things that they told me. And one of these was a pastor's wife. She served on the mission field for many years and came back to the States with her husband to care for her parents. She has been caring for her dad, who is blind, for 18 years. And when I asked her about it, the very first thing she said to me, very transparently, she said, about that advice, tell them, Robin, <laughs> of course, She said, I thought what you've done. She's the baby, we cared for her dad. Um, another one cared for her mother well into her mother's 90s, so for many years. Another of the ones I talked to still has children at home, and she's homeschooling and she's caring for a mother in law, not even a mother. Um, another, had an adult child go to heaven during her caregiving years, and she's kept going. Uh, Another was a a sweet cow who she cared for a Sunday school teacher who influenced her life and didn't have any family to care for her and her husband until they both went to heaven. And then after they both went to heaven, then she started caring for her mom. So she's been in this season a long time. Uh, And so she gave me input. So, so many different ones who helped me with some of the things I'm going to share with you. The word caregiver really is a definition of what we're supposed to do. Care and give you. That's what a care and giver is. And one of these ladies reminded me that John 3.16 is a challenge to love and to give. For God so loved that he gave. Uh, and, she's, and during this time, she said, you were giving compassion. We're giving security. We're giving assurance. And assistance, if it's through the journey of senior life um, or for a special needs child or or that you're caring for, you're giving them all of these things that they need just to make it on a daily basis. And God's the one who provides the grace. I read this quote by Donald Barnhouse. He was a preacher from years past. And he said this about grace He said, Love that grows upward is worship, and love that grows outward is affection. But he said, love that stoops is grace. So when you've been down to tie someone's shoes or you go down to help them get up, you're extending grace. And God is the one who said, my grace is sufficient for you. Claudia mentioned in that verse today, and I have that in my notes as well. So that time of grace. And God does provide daily sufficient grace. Uh, in thinking about how he does that, I found a quote by D.L. Moody, and he's talking about how you can't just go to God and say, okay, give me all the grace I need for this entire season of caregiving. That's not how it works. It's every day. And D.L. Moody said this, a man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough to sustain him for the next six months. Not how eating works. Or take sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. Not the way it works. So we must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. And as you need it, God will show up. One of the times that he showed up for me during my years of caregiving for my mom, my precious mom had um, Parkinson's disease. And she also had, I don't know if it was the dementia that's associated with Parkinson's. I found out medically that she had water on her brain. And so because of that, she had a lot of confusion issues and she had a lot of balance issues. She probably fell 40 times when she was at my house, which is always scary. And you're right there, and yet you can't be fast enough to catch them when they fall. And I'm pretty sure she really didn't know who I was the whole time she was at my house. Uh, Because she was far away. She was in South Carolina and I was here. She was pretty good at faking it. And sometimes as you get older, you are, you're pretty good at faking it. So we could go down for a week and visit and not really know how she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched her as far as the faking if kind of, idea, and not on purpose. They're just, they're just trying to make it through life. But you know, my mom would be struggling at home and we'd be having trouble figuring things out and so forth. And then I'd take her to a doctor appointment and I pull in the parking lot. And I'd go around that get the, the wheelchair, come get her. And this car pulls in and lady gets out of the car. And my mom's like, oh, this is a beautiful day. How are you doing today? Good to see you. And she's like, talk, carry on this conversation with this perfect stranger. Like, like she always did. And I thought, where did that come from? But it was something inner street. or something that God gave her at times like that, and I, so I didn't really know how far along she was when she came here. But after I, she'd been at my house for a few years and, you know, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's a heavy time. And if those of you are going through caregiving, no, um, it's 24 hours, literally. And it's the, the night Falls going to the, the yard at three o'clock in the morning. It, it is 24 hours. And so it'd been, it been a while. And my husband and I had a date night and I had a precious lady was going to come and stay with mom so we can go out for a little while. I love the sandhill crane. Crank. The sandhill cranes have six foot wings, wingspan, and they fly over our area every fall and every spring. And you can hear them. They'll say, and if you hear that sound. You look up and you could see this flock of birds flying over and lots of them. And I love it when they come over. And so I really wanted to go see some sandhill cranes. It was in the spring. There's a place about half an hour or hour or so from here. And they flock to they land there. They need their makes there and so forth. And so my husband was going to take me there, but it was in the spring, and I really didn't want to drive all that way just to see one. So I'm googling, trying to find out. And it says if you really want to see more, then you should go in the fall. I thought, I don't want to drive all that way to not see. That would be worse. So we decided to just. It was during COVID, so you can go anywhere. So we're just walking around, trying to find places where we could take a walk or something and see nature. And nature is always helpful to me. And so we had been to some, a couple of different parks, So we still have a few minutes left. And you have a caregiver, and you have that time, you take every spare minute. And so we, we had a few minutes, and I said, well, let's just drive over on this road. It's kind of a country road. And we had seen some raccoons there once, and some deer there once. And it was The sun was starting to go down, and I, you know, I didn't get to see my sand crane, but I'll get to see the deer. So we drive down this country road. My husband backs it into this little driveway that was just kind of a random driveway. And it wasn't was to a house. And uh, because of the fields over here, and I thought I had seen something. And sure enough, back in the back of that field, there, there was a block of beer. And so, our, that's your hunt blocker. And I just need to be quite a few beer. And so I, and then I went, wait a minute, what? what's that right there? And it was closer. It was all by itself, it was standing right there. One sand hill. Crane. I don't think they usually are by themselves. And I don't think they're usually around here. I've never seen one around me we bore. And there he stood. And I knew God said it for me it was what I needed that day. And so God's grace is very sufficient. Uh, a verse that came alive to me, and this is on the little handout that I gave you is first Peter 5 7. And Claudia mentioned this one too. Um, but this one came alive to me during my season of caregiving. Uh, my mom is now in heaven, so my season is over for now. But First Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, I had that first memorized. I did already. I'd read it many, many times. But when I was caring for my mom, I read it, and I realized that I had always read it wrong. Every time I read it, I changed the words. I read it this way, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth about you. That's kind of what I meant every time I read it. But this time it get me different. He carry for you. I was caring for my mom. I was buying all the food. I was fixing all the food. I was helping her get dressed. I was helping take her to the bathroom. I was helping. I was standing up for doctors. I was handling all the things. I was doing everything for her. And I read that verse and says, He cared for you. I said, God, that's what you do for me. You do everything for me. And it was like, This was this hit me, it's totally different. So it became very special to me during that time. I mean, I, I had to make sure she had toothpaste and a purse or glasses or shoes, I do everything. And that's what God does for me. And it really helped me at that time in my life. So what does caregiving look like? It's different for everybody. And uh, someone told me this, one of the precious care, caregivers I asked to give me input. She said, when in doubt, what to do do the next right thing if if you're not sure what to do next do what you know you're supposed to do even if it's just brushing your teeth or you know putting your clothes on or going to church if you can go to church um, do the next right thing perhaps caregiving for you might be they live near you you check on them daily you provide transportation to doctors visits and you buy their groceries or maybe preparing meals my grandmother also had Parkinson's, and she lived next door to my mom. So their situation was a little different than mine. My mom lived in South Carolina, and I lived here. So when my grandmother, I can remember, uh, one of the first things that happened in her early days with Parkinson's, she just began to be fearful about different things. She was by herself. So we installed, my dad installed an intercom that went from her house to our house. Now. Nope. We were kids, and we thought that was great, you know. So we, you know, my brother could get her one, I could get on the other, we could talk, and i But it was a uh, safety issue for my grandmother. She could put it by her bed, and if she was fearful during the night, all she had to do was knock it off the handle, and it would ring in our house the right next to my parents, and they could run over. So that was one thing they did. I remember one time in particular, my grandmother was terrified that there were snakes under her bed. Because sometimes Parkinson's comes with some delusions like that, hallucinations. And so she was convinced there were snakes under her bed. My mom went over he tried to tell her, Mom, I looked, there's nothing there, everything's fine. She was still terrified. So my mom got my dad. My dad came over and my dad said, Nothing under that bed, everything's fine. And once she heard it from my dad, she was okay. Being that was helpful. So I uh, caregiving for them looked a little different than it did for us. Um, for us, what happened was this, my, um, my brother and I legit, there's just two of us, mom wanted to stay in her house as long as she possibly could. It was home. She had lived in the house 65 years. So she knew her way around there. She felt secure there. She had a great church family, just a few minutes away and was very involved there, she wanted to stay in her house. So for a while, she could stay the daytime by herself, but she needed someone at night. And then it got to be where she needed someone 24 hours around the clock. Well, my dad had prepared as best he could financially, but when you're paying someone 24 hours around the clock, the money goes really fast. And so it was a precious mother-daughter team, and they were amazing. They were a gift from God. My mom loves them, and they loved her. They took her to church. They were both sweet African-American ladies. And they took her to her church three times a month. And once a month, she went with them to their church. And their church is predominantly African-American. My mom loved it. She had a great time doing them. (laughs) In fact, there was a, a lady in front of her whose husband was the same name as my dad. And they just really clicked during that time. But that precious, the precious ladies were such a blessing. Honest, caring, just a gift from them. So we were able to keep her at home for a long time. And then after a while, when the the money was like, how are we going to do this? Uh, My brother, the accountant, said, I think we need to consider seeing if she wants to move to an assisted living place. And it was a brand new assisted living place right around the corner from her church. Literally, you could have walked there. She couldn't, but we couldn't have. And so we and her sister had lived there for a while. So she was familiar with the place. So we moved her in. And she didn't treat this a well while at all because remember I told you she was kind of baking a little bit, uh, being in familiar circumstances, she could f- handle life a little bit both in the English uh, area, the we would say it. She, um, began to struggle more and they found her wandering in the parking lot one day and out by the road in the And so we had to do her to the in-rate care now, um, the that at in the evenings, uh, sundowners is when the um, time of the day when the sun starts going down. A lot of times, older people get a little more agitated. Even babies too. You may remember when your children were little, but they'd get a little more agitated. And my mom did too. At our house, uh, sometimes is the evening, she would just get get agitated, and so that was what was happening there. So I went to see her at this place, and she really was doing pretty well in some ways because most of the people who were there with her were people who were from that same little town, and she knew them. She had gone to school with them, you know, and she would she was the one who led in prayer when they would have their prayer time together and uh, different things. But one day I went down to visit, and uh, she was brushing her teeth with soap, I didn't know she didn't have toothpaste, and she didn't know to tell me. I could have made sure she had toothpaste. I didn't know and the Lord began to work on my heart and I thought this is not good then I would try to call her and she wouldn't answer her phone I mean my brother I made sure she had her phone with her same phone number and the easiest phone he could find for her to use but she still wasn't answering her phone and so I'm on her birthday I had to call the the facility about 10 times and they gave me the number for a nurse who was back in the neighborhood care I had to call that first whole nurse to his phone to get to talk to my mom on her birthday I said this is not working and God did some things to help make my mom ready. One of those things that he did was um, he had pried up her fingers one by one. We went down for a visit, and my mom was saying things like this. This is really weird. She said, here I am at, you know, those curtains are just like the curtains in my house. How do they do this? How do they get these stained curtains here that they have at my house? And that's the same picture I have on the wall at my house. How did they do that? And she got what like she was at home. She was, but she didn't, didn't know she was. And, you know, sometimes you could ask her a question. You could say, Mom already you keep the vacuum cleaner bag. all the bags in the bad bathroom behind the dryer. She arrived right where everything was. And other times, she didn't feel a like call anymore. So that was one thing that happened. And then we moved her to the assisted living. And then some things happened there. I went... To her church one time, and mom wasn't there that time, a, a sweet lady in the church there said, Oh, are you here to come get your mom to go live with you? I wasn't. But the Lord said, I mean, should be. And then the toothpaste incident. And then I said to my mom, Mom, if I were to come back down in a few few weeks to get you, would you come live with me? And she had always told me, no, I'm not moving up there. It's cold." And then, up there. I'm not aware of that. That I is. she a little good here. And she had also told me, I don't ever want to become a problem to you and Mike because you're working in the college. You're working for God. I don't want to be, I don't want to get in your wells. Please just go be in a nursing home. That's what she told me a long time ago. And um, so I said, would you come with me, Mom? And she looked at me and she said, I would go anywhere with you. And I knew it was time. And so we moved her up here and uh, everything wasn't, you know, crystal perfect all the time. Um, but God taught me some things. First, the first one was to wait on his timing. And that's when he gave me that assurance. The second thing uh, I needed to learn to realize that this season is e- was easier for me than it was for her. Um, she had already been through some of the steps of losing her independence. She had, she had on her own given up her car keys and that doesn't always happen. Um, and she had already learned to work with the caregivers who were there in her home and so forth. God was helping her in that way. But it, it's hard uh, when the, it's hard on them. And a part of her confusion now is going to be she was in a brand new place. And I think she thought she was in a facility the whole time she was in my home because it wasn't familiar to her. And so it's hard on them. But I often think this is the season and you have to look for the colors of the season. So some of the things that I, little glimpses that I enjoyed, I got to see my mom as a daughter. Because sometimes she thought I was mom. She called me the devil of the night. She called me my grandmother's name. And I would help her. And I got to see kind of how she interacted with her mom a little bit. And then I got to see her as a sister. My mom had lots of sisters. And my mom was a twin. Every single time she fell, and remember there were a lot of those, every single time he went to the emergency room and when they started asking her all of her information and they asked her for her birthday she would look at me and she'd say you know when our birthday is Boom, she thought i was her twin every single time so i got to sense just a little bit of that sweet relationship she had with her twin sister i got to see that uh, i also still saw show up even in those times uh very great difficulty remember she'd been a bus captain and a sunday school teacher If we went on an outing, she wanted to go to uh, Dollar General, and she wanted to go to the candy aisle. Because she needed candy, she needed promotion for her bus kids and her Sunday school kids. And she also liked chocolate. And she didn't have any dietary restrictions. She had low blood pressure, so she could have all the salt she wanted. She didn't have any trouble with diabetes, so she could have all the sugar she wanted. And if she enjoyed it, I was giving it to her. Been either, And so she would buy chocolate, and, and I'd keep enough for her to eat and enjoy. But I'd take the rest of it and give it to somebody's from their Sunday school class, something for a bus route, because that's what she was doing. And um, I got to see her as, as a teacher. She was a teacher all those years. Sometimes she would buy snacks or something for the, the concession stand or something like that. And if she ever got angry with us, it was about children. One meal in particular, we're sitting at the table, and she was very angry with me because there was a child sitting in that seat, and she was not getting any food. I didn't have a plate there for that child. Why wasn't I beating that child? So I got plates, and I got silverware of the And on that plate, and if that child was competing, not, 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 there was a child. There. So if she got upset, I'd still do She was still in there. Her still, their love for children was still there. Uh, she was a very, very engaged church member. And of course, we couldn't get out and go to church. God was very good to me to give me um, someone on Wednesday nights so that I always had to go to night church. They took turns and I got to go. And so I got to keep my children's choir. And, and then that was my main church service. The case on Sundays, I had a care-sever who would come to so South. But a lot of times I didn't. So we're watching live stream. And so we're sitting there. And we're watching together, and if I started talking at all, we're in church. You know, I she was in church. And I did church. So I ate and if I was watching on one I have See she would get confused though. The next day she'd come down and she couldn't figure out why the furniture from the fellowship hall at church was in my house. Why did I have the furniture from the fellowship hall at the church? See, she would get those two kind of mixed up a little bit. But I, she still loved God. She still loved church. Her last year, our brother Tom Lancaster was her pastor The letter to Christ as a young uh, adult. And every year on his anniversary of salvation, he always preaches this sermon that's his testimony. It was COVID. And so he wasn't able to preach it in a church. So he put it on YouTube. So we sat and watched. And she was totally engaged the whole time. She knew exactly who he was and exactly what was going on. She was still there. I got to see those little glimpses of her. Um, you, you, I mentioned she was a bus bus worker. She even called me one of her bus kids saying one night in the middle of the night. And later, I was able to reconnect with that gal and say, you know, my mom called for you in those days. And she said, oh, I remember your mom. She was so good to me. Um, another time, she was planning out camp. She had her spiral notebook, and she was planning out camp. And uh, she was making sure. She read her Bible. I don't know how much she read, but she she always when I was growing up when she read a chapter she put a dot by that chapter and then the next time she read it she put a circle around the dot and she was still putting dots still putting circles in her bible because I bought her a new bible when she got here and, she, and I know she did it while she was here so she was still there I got to see those little glimpses during that difficult time of her life um one of the caregivers reminded me of this passage in 2nd Corinthians 4 it's chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I remember reading somewhere that God didn't make us to live on earth. He made us to live eternally. So that eternal perspective is very helpful in that dark season of your life. Um, And would you remind me what time I'm supposed to be dead? 1045, okay, I just didn't want to keep, I've got a lot of stuff here, so I I just, I'm trying to pack as much as I can in. Um, May I remind you that during the season of caregiving, life goes on. And here's what I mean by that. There's still deaths in your family, crystal funerals. crystal weddings. Uh, my daughter was expecting her first baby. I am going to be heir. I'm going to be through this house. So Somebody now somebody's got to come stay with mom so I can be there. Now the Lord figured that without foreign because my mom went to heaven before that baby came, but, um, you know, there are things that happen. One of the precious caregivers that helped me, I lost her son during this time. And she was caring for her mom and her dad, and then she lost her son. And she had to go through that during that time. So life goes on, and you have to, to go to God every single time. One of the things that happened during my caregiving years was COVID. I kind of jokingly said that God just put everybody on my schedule. You know, I had to watch online, so did that. But, you know, I was so glad that my mom was with me through COVID because I watched people who had parents and patients who worked with them during COVID? I saw pictures of them looking in the windows outside trying to see them. I have a neighbor, sweet widow lady in my neighborhood, and her husband passed away during COVID, and they literally would not let her in the room when he was dying. They let her in the next day to see his body. I, to this day, she can't believe that they didn't let her see if the he passed away. And she's been, she really had a sub time. And you can imagine. So, Paul, so many times I was get some more, thank you, thank you the monster, thank you that she sees me, thank you so much. And I also would say, Mom, don't fall. Now, come on, be careful. <laughs> we can't go the hospital during this. Uh, I'm I don't seem to be feeling enough in the hospital. I couldn't be there. So um, COVID was one of the things. I, I, I thought of a couple of um, practical things I wanted to share. One is that when you have a patient in your home, it's going to affect your home. Uh, you know, we had to prepare for mom. We moved out of our bedroom and into another bedroom so that she could have a bedroom and bathroom. And we had to redo the floor in there so that it was smooth for the walker. And then I had a wonderful home health agency that was so helpful. They were all Christians and precious uh, nurse who came in every week. I got to ask lots of questions and someone came in and gave mom a bath and my mom loved getting a bath. That's not always true, but she did. And so, just uh, that was they knew what Medicare even would provide it, so that I didn't have to pay for. It. And they were such a help. They came in and told me, you need to do this rug because this going to be a tripping hazard. You got to put a bar up here. You ought to do this here. This is what you need to do to get ready. And they were so very helpful. So I, I, that was a blessing to me. But it can affect your home in different ways. We had a little spot in our hallway where, for whatever reason, I think they added on the house. It was a little lip in our hallway like this. Everyone who came to visit our house a trip up every single time. So before mom came, we put a ramp in, you know, to smooth that out. And that was just one little thing we had to care for before she got there. But during her time there, that bathroom that she had, twice, she pulled the sink off the wall uh, because she was falling. And she reached out for the first thing, and it wasn't strong enough to hold her. So we put a stronger sink in and never had another problem. Uh, so it will affect you. you. You may be looking for different essential oil blends to keep things smelling nice or fans to covering noise. Uh, several of the caregivers mentioned to me how much their patients, their you know, or the or whoever it was, there are videos on YouTube where they just play calm hymns and have beautiful nature scenes. And they'll just play, uh, you know, on a loop and how comforting and calming that was. And so they mentioned that one to me. Uh, sometimes you can find support groups. There, there are different, for different types of illnesses. You can find helps for that. I would ask lots of questions, people who have similar situations to yours. You'll find out there's lots of information out there if you're willing to ask. Um, I was reminded also of uh, something Mrs. Marlene said years ago. And again, this is the Lord preparing me. She would talk about her dad. Now Her maiden name was Zunmeyer. And uh, so she talked about having to learn how to speak Zuckmeyer Heath. And what she meant by that was when her dad said one thing, she had to translate it from his language into hers. So it might look something like this. Why do you always do that? Or why do you never put enough salt in the food? Or something along those lines would be translated into, I'm really so glad you're caring for me every day. But... I, I, didn't even have to translate. That has... <laughs> their disease is talking, their sickness is talking, their pain is talking, that's not them. And you just have to take what they say and translate. And you won't always have the right responses. There are many times I did not. I tried to answer with my logic and my thinking and it didn't work. Uh, one time though, I remember my mom said, why isn't my mom ever come to see me? Why isn't my mom here? And so, of course, her mom's been in heaven for a long time. And I said, Ralph, that as in heaven. And then I said to mom, if she could be here when you needed her, she would be there. And my mom had a setback and she said, that was a good answer. And the public was cut I got A plus on that. I didn't always get an A plus. So there, there were other times when she locked herself in her room and wanted to call the police so you just you don't know because she's not thinking straight and and she remember she probably didn't know who i was she never called me by my name and she called me my called me my grandmother she called me her pastor's wife she called me all kinds of people but but she never called me by name i think she knew i was family and i'm sure she knew i loved her but i don't think she could quite remember that daughter relationship and we were very close she was my matron of honor in my wedding so we were very close Um, A few other tips that I want to give before I run out of care of time here. One is that my daughter got me a Fitbit. Now, why is that important? One, because I was walking behind mom everywhere she went because she couldn't fall, you know, and slowly walking so I would walk behind doing this and things like that. And secondly, because it just gave me a way if I did come to church on Wednesday night and she was with a caregiver, it would have the text messages come up enough for me to see who it was from during a church service in case I needed to leave. So it was helpful to me. There's a book um, that was very helpful that is called The 36-Hour Day. And The 36-Hour Day is a classic if you're dealing with Alzheimer's or dementia. Lots of great information in there. Uh, Someone suggested that there's a YouTube channel called Dementia with Grace. And it's caregiver support group. And so that that was a help to her. This precious lady who lost her adult son found a, a, a grief support group that was helpful to her. Um, somebody mentioned, I think maybe Miss Amber did the very first day about songs that minister to your soul. And I just w- want to tell you one that was, that was so helpful to me and that I loved. And, b- and by the way, I love what she said also about those be still moments and the verses that God gives you. Those are the best. I can tell you the verses God gave me, and they won't mean the same thing to you that they mean to me, because I remember what was going on when God gave me that verse, when I needed it so much. And I have some of those. Zephaniah 317 is one of them. Um, But songs that minister to soul. This one is one that that such a blessing helped me. Hang on a second, because I'm trying to cut through some things here. All right. Um, Just when I need him most. We don't sing that one a lot, but the words are perfect for caregiver. Just when I need him. Jesus is near just when I falter just when I fear Jesus is near to comfort and cheer just when I need him most another verse is just when I need him Jesus is true you know I, I was reading my bible during that time and I had a whole list of things i was going to tell you there and I skipped over that but sometimes if I was having a really rough day I would just do this I would open the bible just look at it just the fact that it doesn't change and that I have a copy of God's word just it was there I knew it was there when I needed it. That was helpful to me. Just doing that so helpful to me. So uh, just when I need him, Jesus is true. This is truth, never forsaking all the way through, uh, giving for burdens, pleasures anew. And you could find joy uh, just when I need him most. I, I thought of this story, and I'll end with this story because I am not uh time, but uh, last night, and this kid was talking, and she was talking about her mom, Annie Griffith. I don't know why this popped into my head. Um, I remember those old movies. It was a black and white movie. I had no idea what the name of it was, but it was about these people who would dive off these ships and they would dive for sponges, they cut the sponges. And they were collecting sponges. No idea what the story was about. Well, you know, my mom got up and she was very agitated and she hurrying down the hallway and I'm, I'm walking right behind her. Like I always did. And mom, are you okay? What's going on? I gotta help me get those sponges. I gotta get the sponges. She, they're watching that thing. And she was so glued in that it was very real to her. Like yes, Cam was about. So. Let me just end with this thought. I know my time's up. Uh, I told you that one of the precious caregivers said to me, now that her mom's in heaven too, she said, I have no regrets. And that's exactly how I feel. And another caregiver said, I would never want to go back to the person I was before. And, and I'll tell you that's true. And then I'll leave you with one last thought that in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And as you walk through the season of caregiving, he will be sufficient for you as well. Um, Thank you for coming. Thank you, Um, you, Mrs. Fish.